Hello and welcome to Game Brain, a board game podcast about our gaming group. I am one of your hosts, Matthew Robinson, and this week I am joined by the analytical gamer himself, Jesse Warm. Jesse, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm great, Matthew. Thanks for having me. Thank you. We are having uh, no technical difficulties at all tonight, <laughs> which is fantastic. We use a uh, podcast uh, recording option on the internet called Zencaster, and they decided to add video to their feed. Isn't that a fantastic idea? And in the process, they completely pooped the bed on every possible other thing they do. So congratulations to them and also to us. This is fun. No idea if this is going to actually record, but I feel like there's a 50-50 chance, and so we'll proceed. Jesse, you have had quite an exciting couple of weeks. I have, actually. It's been a good 2021 so far, actually. Do you want to share some of your your joyful news, some of your bounties? Uh, Sure. Um, Thanks for asking. Uh, Well, uh, I am uh, having a baby. Not not myself. but me well, and my girlfriend of the equation. Congratulations. Um, this will be it, your third child and, and your yes. girlfriend's first. That's right. And uh, the, the big thing about this is we're having a baby girl. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but on my father's side, there has not been a female born in the last 120 years. So that's, we've been trying to who's break been tracking that stat. Where do you track a stat like that? <laughs> Uh, my mom does all the genealogy in the family. Ah. Uh, so uh, we tried the Shettles method, and we just stuck to it, man. I don't know if you know familiar with sorry, that. The what? Shettles method. So, I, look, there's a lot of, like, you know, hocus pocus there out there. But this one is, um, I don't know, some people like who I respect, you know, believe in it. And the idea is that the male sperm is faster, and the female sperm lives longer. So there is a window of time in which, you know, the five days or so that a woman could get pregnant um, right. is, is the, basically the first like couple days is, is when it's female time <laughs> and towards the end it's oh, male really? time and there's a bunch of gray, gray days. Um, so there's, there's some science behind that or is this like a, an that's old what I'm saying. It's, I husband's hear wives that, tale? I, I, I hear, you know, just, I, I don't know if it always works or if people messed up, but um, I've heard some doctors, you know, say, uh, actually, uh, I think it actually is real. <laughs> but it works well, for us. It, it, I mean, you've got, you've got a singular scientific uh, example of this and 100% sex rate. Uh, success. I said sex rate. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. 100% success rate. <laughs> That's not even a Freudian slip. That That's just me saying what you did. Uh, well, congratulations. You, I'm so you. happy for both of you. You're, you are already a fantastic father, and Alex is going to be a wonderful mother. And so uh, that's a lucky little girl. Yeah. I'll thank you for that. Um, um, and you also started a, a, a full-time new job that I don't yes. know if you can talk about at all, but it's very exciting. Um, yeah. I mean, I, well, no, yes and no. But um, I, I'm so I'm um, uh, an interaction designer for this newish company, uh, uh, it's a mixed reality company called Animal Repair Shop. Um, mm. They spawned out of 42 Entertainment, which has been around for a while. And they've done some really cool, like, um, immersive experiences, ARGs with, like, big IPs. Um, and uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of, like, the, the Why So Serious campaign that they did for promoting Dark Knight. Um, I don't think so. I don't know. I don't, it was incredible. I don't know if I was aware of AR back then. Uh, ARG. ARG, ARG, alternate reality game. I feel like the only one I really remember is that one f- like for Halo that was about bees or something. That's the same company, yes. Oh, okay. There you go. 
Um, they just did one for Call of Duty, and they've just been doing this forever. Oh, but so now you're, you're at like the big one for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they started this new company, which is going to be more product based. They're they're going to do a lot of different things, but um, uh, they're I guess they're going to you know kind of be focusing on uh, or at least opening up to consumer based you know products involving you know different types of technology. And um, I'm I'm really excited. So I'm you know I'm going to be doing basically everything I've been I've been working towards in my long years of yeah unemployment or underemployment has been you know game design and puzzle design and just uh you know researching tech and all that stuff and then finally this thing just like came up and my friend you know who got he got me the job he's like the VP of interaction design and I would be supporting him he's been trying to get me in for a while and then I ended up putting like this like little like AR demo for him because I've been working on Unity for the past you know nine months or whatever, and um, and he basically said, "Can you film me do it you know with this?" And and I was like, uh, "Sure." And then he I did, and then he took it in to them to show them, and they go, yeah. "All right, all right, he'd be good. Let's do it." <laughs> so, oh, wow. um, but well, yeah, I don't know. I'm so yeah, excited. It does seem, it does seem right. like the the fruition of all the things you've been slowly putting together. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. This has been. It's been good so far. I mean, you know, I know 2020 was a rough year for everybody yeah. and we're hoping that 2021, you know, I feel like we hit rock bottom, hopefully. Yeah. It was rock bottom. And, um, I don't know so far. So good. Well, on mazel wood. tov. That's, yeah. that's awesome. Thanks, mazel tov on all of your great things. That's really cool. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of great things or maybe great things, no spoilers here. We're going to be reviewing the two player only sort of super filler thinky two-player game curious cargo from capstone games and our topic this week is mechanics and game experiences we'd like to see more of yeah is that about right does that sum it up something like it's like the future that we'd like to see in board gaming something more stuff we'd like to see and and to be fair we uh this was a topic we came up with a little bit late in the game so if i forget something obvious or wonderful we should have talked about Please forgive me. We also are having some very fun technical difficulties. <laughs> Jesse, <laughs> let's get into it. this week's game night. No idea if these drops are actually being recorded. I, mean, I can't <laughs> so, hear them, by the way. You can't. Oh, that's probably not good. Oh, man. Okay. okay. Should uh, I be talking over it? Should I do, 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 do? Game night. Yeah. So I, um, I probably am not going to have time to edit this. So if there's just like blank space of people hearing us breathe, just imagine the stings you've heard of that. Why don't we just sing the songs along with it? Let's okay. do it. We're going to. That's All the right. plan. I think from now on, we're just. There's. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have time to edit in the songs later. Okay. Uh, all right. What, what have you played this week, Jesse? Um, what have I played this week? Let's see. Um, I played Fortnite with the boys. Oh, game board games. Um, well, yeah, that typically <laughs> that's what we do in this. Section. Yes, I know. Curious Cargo. Um, have I played any other board games? Yes, we played um, uh, Ricochet Robots. <laughs> Ooh, that's fun. I haven't played any like. Like I guess like newish games like you know we 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 try to do weekly, um, but I haven't gotten to that in a couple of weeks. I've been just slammed with work. But I did play some of those some types. Curious of Cargo, right? Curious Cargo, Ricochet Robots, and uh, uh, Cockroach Poker. Hmm, yeah, that's yeah. that's a lot. That's more than your average bear plays in a week, I imagine. <laughs> sure. What about um, you? 
Yeah, I have, I'm in a crazy work mode at the moment where I am pulling 11, 12 hour days, six days a week. So I am not playing a lot of games. Um, but I did manage to get in a handful of games of Curious Cargo over the past few weeks um, and enough to uh, be able to give an educated review of it today. Um, but yeah, other than that, I've uh, I've had a Nacrony Fractures of Time set up uh, on my table for solo turns throughout my gaming. I mean, throughout my works my work week, so I take turns on that, and that's always a really nice little break. Um, but yeah, not a whole lot of gaming, unfortunately, for me this week. Hopefully, uh, well, I don't know if that's going to get better anytime soon, but we'll figure it out. Let's get into the news. Oh, jeez. Good evening. Good enough. Um, we got some fun news this week. First of all, Root is getting a new expansion. This was announced. It was announced in a couple ways. Leader Games announced it, but also Cole Worley, uh, the designer of Root, uh, put up one of his infamous designer diaries uh, on uh, BGG. You can find it in the uh, game header for the new Root expansion called the Marauder expansion. This expansion is exciting for a couple of reasons. First of all, you are, of course, going to get a uh, a new uh, faction to play. Very highly asymmetrical game. Always a new faction is always useful. But this also has a module designed specifically for two players. Now, Root has always been a game that is not necessarily a fantastic two-player experience, although the some of the newer factions that are released, like the Mole faction, I forget exactly what they're called, and um, I think then the COVID, I think, which is a funny name for uh, a faction in a board game at the moment. Um, it's probably Corvid. I know it's the Corvid, not the Corvid. Um, <laughs> but they, uh, yeah, I think they play pretty well at two things. That, but yes, this is, uh, the new expansion is going to be very much uh, about making a great two-player Root experience, which I think is really fun. And Root is kind of blown up again over the past few months because they have a fantastic app that is now on iOS and Android and Steam. And I think it's, if it's not already on Switch, it's coming to Switch. And it's um, it's a really great app. And I think uh, I think more of us should try to get some, um, some games going of that because Root is very fun. Yeah. Um, this is big news. The Great Western Trail Trilogy is being released. What do you what do you think about that, Jesse? Not one new Great Western Trail game, but three new Great Western Trail games are coming out in the next couple of years. Uh, Plan B is the company that puts these out, and they are going to be bringing us uh, the second edition of Great Western Trail. Wait, Great Brad Western Pitt Trail is behind this? <laughs> no, not. <big. laughs> Uh, plan B. Uh, Great Western Trail Argentina and then Great Western Trail New Zealand. And I think these are coming 2021, 2022, and 2023. So you're going to be getting a lot of Great Western Trail. Now, we don't know too much. We know the the there's going to be some updated art and some rule tweaks and probably thrown in a couple of the promo tiles and little mini expansions, hopefully the major expansion as well, in Great Western Trail 2nd Edition. And then we know very little about Argentina and New Zealand. But here's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping these aren't just new maps. I'm hoping each one of these is the Brass Birmingham to Brass Lancashire, which is gives you an entirely new and different experience with mechanics uh, that you are familiar with. Um, what do you think about a, a lot of new Great Western Trail coming to the table soon? I'm I'm excited. I'm I'm still trying to wrap my head around this trilogy idea. Yeah. Well, you have so to do I them in order. Like, or is it going to spoil a story? 
Uh, yeah, I would imagine there's not much of a narrative. Um, it's probably, uh, I mean, look, I, I hope it's not just like Age of Steam maps. Uh, it doesn't look like it. These look like big boxes. So it looks like there's a lot going on. I'm hoping it's not just like, you know, a map and uh, some different kinds of cows. Um, but hopefully there's new, you know, I really think, and I would imagine they also are very aware of the brass Birmingham to brass Lancashire kind of thing. And I'm sure, uh, if they're doing it right, that's, that's sort of what they're aiming at too. Um, so always excited to get Nor. No, no, an art upgrade is not necessarily something I, I would have thought great Western trail needs. I, I, I'd like the way it looks. I think it looks fine. It's great. Graphic design does a good job, but, um, you know, I like my old West stuff so if they want to soup it up for me and give me some some fancy you know triple layer cardboard player boards i'm not going to turn it down yeah i'd definitely play that it's one of my favorite games it is a great game speaking of great games that we're getting more of on mars the fantastic vital asserta game many people's game of the year for 2019 and or 2020 depending on when you think the game came out is getting a major expansion now this is very unusual for a VTOL Asserta game. I can't think of a big box VTOL Asserta game to get a big box expansion ever, actually. Um, there's been little tiny mini expansions, uh, things like that. But uh, this is a big box expansion. And what's interesting about it, this is a semi-co-op expansion. Uh, this is called On Mars Alien Invasion a somewhat cooperative expansion. Mm. They literally say it somewhat. It comes with five different modules, and each one is sort of a campaign-based story as you attempt to fight back against an alien invasion on Mars. If it wasn't hard enough to science Mars into a livable place, now you have to deal with little green people. Cool. Cool. Um, and yeah, so, uh, there's, oh, sorry, there's four chapters, not five. Uh, the first one is a one versus all that plays three to five player. The second is a full co-op that plays two to four player. The third is a full co-op that plays two to four player. And the fourth is a solo that plays one player only. Um, I think this is awesome. I love on Mars. Um, they've already shown images of all of the modules and I mean, it's awesome. There's like mm. literally little green people. Um, but all of the beautiful on Mars artwork uh, and fancy player boards and components, and it looks gorgeous. Um, this is coming to Kickstarter this year, I believe. Um, I don't know the exact date yet, but uh, I'm sure if you keep an eye on Eagle Griffin Games, they'll let you know. Here we go. May 28th. May 13th to May 28th. There you go. So two weeks. If you go on May 28th, it'll be the last day. Don't do that. Uh, but yeah, May 13th. Coming to Kickstarter means you probably won't get it till 2022. Um, unless they're farther along than I thought, but probably not. Um, that's very exciting. Those are two of my favorite games ever. Great Western Trail and On Mars, and more of them is always good. Now let's talk about games that don't exist anymore. Metal Gear Solid had a board game that was supposed to be coming out. They'd been talking about it for a while. It has now been canceled. IDW. Uh, said, ultimately, the amount of time it took to implement these changes just grew longer than expected, and our window to ship the game on time closed. Um, wow. I'm Snake. a big Metal Gear Solid Snake. fan. I know you are, too. Snake. <laughs> One of the best franchises ever. I think I've played them all. I absolutely love any, anything Solid Snake. Um, so, yeah, a little bummed that game's getting canceled. Yeah. I mean, I'm not bummed if it wasn't going to be good, but I would have liked thought it would have been good. Um, so, yeah, that's gone. It's just gone. 
It's just gone, Jesse. Wow. It's just no more. Another game that is just gone is the Legend of Five Rings LCG. Canceled. This is what Fantasy Flight Games does. They give you something. They support it. They make you invest hundreds, if not thousands of dollars in in, uh, living card game packs that come out. They have prizes. They have fancy, cool tournaments with prize support. And then one day, like all good things, it dies in your arms and you are left with a game (laughs) that no one wants to play anymore. Is this a game that was out a while ago in a different form? It had been out for a minute. Yeah. Um, I mean, like when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. So this is, yes, this is a a rebooted version of the original. Yeah, Yeah. I think it was an RPG, too. So, yeah, the... Six years and and six years is about the life cycle of most of these LCGs. I, you know, I mean, I've I've been involved in many of them that um, I I put a lot of uh, my soul into when they died. Most notably being Netrunner uh, and the Game of Thrones. Um, but yeah, rip to uh, Legend of the Five Rings. I'm sure there are some people out there who are quite sad about it, but you shouldn't have been surprised if you knew the model because this is what happens. You, you know, I have a like a set of uncut cards sitting behind my parents' dresser, I just remembered right now, <laughs> from Legend of the Five Rings. Oh, really? I should go see if it's still there. Oh, that's awesome. Uncut. Oh, yeah. that's I don't know why I have that. I really yeah, don't know either. Uh, last, this is not a canceled game. This is a game that uh, has already grossed over $650,000 on Kickstarter. This is Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition. No, not more bloat for the wonderful game Terraforming Mars. This is an entirely new game. Uh, it's called the Terraforming Mars card game, which is probably confusing to anyone who's ever played Terraforming Mars, which is basically a card game. But this one uh, just is only cards and a little bit of cardboard, whereas Terraforming Mars is a lot of cards and a lot of cardboard. Um, now, when I first heard this, I was like, I'm good. I'm good on this. I love terraforming Mars. I'm just going like, why would I want to play another? T- I, 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 I still like terraforming Mars, Jesse. I don't need more terraforming Mars. Hmm. And then I saw that it has solo gameplay built in. And ah. that is a part of the game. I know they get me there. Um, it's a standalone game. It's, it also has a cooperative mode. I think it's a little bit faster, a little bit, uh, a little bit lighter. A little bit easier to get to the table, perhaps, but <coughs> excuse me, they, they still have not really like sold it to me in a way where I'm like, yes, definitely need this. Um, but it's doing quite well. And I, f- I don't know. It's not wildly expensive, too. That's also a thing. It's like it's 40, 40 bucks. So it's like, all right, 40 bucks. Like maybe, you know, I don't know. It's definitely cheaper than you're going to buy. Buying- it. Yeah, I'm probably going to buy but uh but yeah you have uh by the time you hear this you have about 10 days left to back that on kickstarter um that is the news for the week let's move into games on the brain jesse go ahead and sing the whole song for us starting now oh i don't remember how it goes games on the brain these are games we like to play these are games yes Jesse, what games are on ye old brain this week? Matt, have you played Valheim? Valheim? No. Oh my god. Are you playing it? it? Yeah, I just started. So I got this pinched nerve in the middle of the night, 
and I couldn't sleep. And like so I was back? like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I tried to sleep with like a massager on it and it just wasn't working. And so I, um, I was like, all right, it's a good time to go play uh, Valheim. Because uh, I played it for like uh, 30 minutes the pr- night before. And so I played it for a few hours this morning and I love it. Um, well, is, is it fun just solo? Because I've heard it's mainly a, a, a hangout with friends game. I'm going to find out that part tonight, but I love it. I've, I've only played solo just to kind of, you know, get my feet wet. And I, so I, I think they just basically took the fun parts of survival games. Um, yeah. You know, it's a little bit of Minecraft. It's a little bit of Ark. Um, I guess there's a new game called Rust coming out, but that kind uh-huh. of thing where you start with, you know, in your underwear and you got to like, you know, gather rocks and, and wood yeah. break. You know, how do and you know your... what to do? Like, how is there like a, like if is there like a recipe book in the game? Well, you have to discover it. This is all about your experience uh, that you gain throughout your life. So when you, when you die, you'll lose everything. You you can go back to your body um, and, and get your stuff, um, or if you've say put stuff in chests, you know that kind of model. Um, but the the main thing is you 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 keep your experience. And when I say experience, I don't necessarily mean experience points. So there is leveling, but it's really just the things that you've learned. It's almost like your people have evolved, and you know these things now. So you you can you can kind of get up to speed faster. Um, but they, they, I feel like they, they took all of those things from those survival games that were good and they like lean into them and they kind of like fine tune some things. And then all the things that didn't work, they, they like retuned. Like, um, mm. I don't know. I, I, I'm, 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 I'm really digging it. I, I, you should check it out. You must check no, it I mean, out. The whole world seems to be digging it. I, I, I definitely like watched a few videos and, and I've just never really like found myself that interested in the survival kind of thing. I mean, I, I love the exploration vibe, but you know what kills it for me? I just, I don't really love the words procedurally generated. Like whenever I hear that, I just go like, oh, I'd rather play a game that somebody designed. Now I know that's probably like factually incorrect, but I just feel like, I don't know, like just make one really amazing world and let everybody play the same world. I don't know. I actually thought that this was was not because Ark. I don't believe was procedurally generated. No, this is definitely procedurally generated. I, oh, I definitely cool. saw that. So that's good for replayability. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I guess that's the point of it. Yeah. I guess I would rather like a perfectly manicured curated world experience where it's like all perfectly balanced and they're, you know, I don't know. Well, so when I, was, I hear procedurally yeah. generated, I just kind of think like, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I get a little less excited. I was actually that, thinking today. Wrong. I, I, I was thinking today, I wish this could have been procedurally generated. How how could this have been done procedurally generated? Because one of the things, first things you find is this sort of circle of this like Stonehenge of like all of the different bosses you're going to uh, go against. Right. Um, and, um, and then they go, okay, well, now off you go, hang out in the meadow, and then be careful in the next area. But so it felt like, oh, this is all just here. But, but maybe they can just basically say from the center you know, <laughs> randomly in, in, in this random direction, here's like one step out from center and this is the easy part. And right, then right, right. that kind of thing. So maybe they could do it procedurally in that sense. Yeah. I mean, that's all the stuff I like. I mean, I don't know. I'll check it out eventually. It's, it looks awesome. It just seems like one of those things, friend of the show, David Gillison asked me if I wanted to play with them, but I, I don't play video games at night because um, I don't have video games at my house because we have children and there's nowhere to put a gaming rig. Uh, so all my gaming stuff is at my office, which is, um, means it doesn't really get used very often, uh, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I used to love putting the kids to sleep and playing video games until late at night 
and by kids I mean kid because that was only doable when I had one kid. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> I had another I hear kid. <laughs> there is no staying up late anymore. Um, my uh, game on the brain this week is Dominant Species Marine. Always loved Dominant Species. It didn't necessarily gel with our group, uh, but we loved it and we loved the design. And I always dreamed that someone would make a version um, that worked well with our group. Cannot say whether this one does yet, but Dominant Species Marine has shipped through GMT Games. It is not an expansion. It is an entirely new version of the game um, with a lot of differences and a lot of similarities. And I'm really excited to explore it. Uh, This one's going to have to wait until we can do some in-person gaming. Um, No solo mode here. But I'm very excited and uh, wanted to say again, rest in peace to Chad Jensen, who designed the game, uh, who passed away during the end of development for it. And the game was finished by his uh, partner, Kai. uh, And uh, we all now have it. And I think that's fantastic. I'm also very excited for a game called Sleeping Gods. Ryan Laukat. Uh, This is a game that I think you will love, Jesse. And maybe once I finish it, I'll loan it to you. Uh, Ryan Laukat, known for games like Above and Below and Near and Far, um, which are you know me- light medium euro games uh, has made sort of a uh, adventure seventh continent tainted grail s game now matt you hated seventh continent why are you interested in this mm. i don't know but i because i just want one of these games to work for once i want <laughs> like a full exploration board game narrative thing to work and i read some reviews here that made me feel like you know what somebody might have cracked it and i have a board game podcast and I felt like I should take that experience. Um, so I don't think it's going to ship until April or so. I did not do a Kickstarter. It's shipping to Kickstarter backers right now, but retail I pre-ordered. So probably March, April, something like that. But I am excited to dive into it. And um, it's worth checking out if you are interested in uh, solo or cooperative exploration games. Probably not all that different from Volheim in terms of you know a great sort of game of uh, discovery and exploration. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's about it. Uh, let's move into our review for the week. Tale of the Tape. The game is called Curious Cargo. It is designed by Ryan Courtney. You may know Ryan Courtney from uh, a game that came out in 2019 that we gave a very positive review to here and that we really enjoy, a game called Pipeline. Uh, Pipeline is a heavy uh, two to three hour long economic cube pusher And Curious Cargo is not. Curious Cargo is a 30 to 60 minute two player only medium to heavyweight game. Uh, It is, if you had looked at it, you would have gone, somebody dumped the box of Pipeline into a smaller box and made up a new game with the same pieces. And you wouldn't be totally wrong to say that because there are a lot of similarities, but there are a lot more differences as well. Ryan Courtney is the designer here. The artists are uh, Bridget Indelicato and Quanchi Moriah. Uh, publisher is Capstone Games uh, in the States. And I believe in uh, Frosted Games elsewhere. Jesse, what is Curious Cargo about? Uh, it is basically the, the, the pipeline puzzle portion of, pi- you know, yeah, the, <laughs> it's the putting the pipes together of pipeline into right. a two-player game. Yes, you're doing some shipping, and um, so yeah, it's a two-player game. You're going head to head, and you're basically building up your infrastructure of your facility. Uh, you are there's two phases. The first phase, you're you're connecting your pipes 
to from like it, there's different boards that you have matching boards with your partner your 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 opponent there and uh they you basically have to the wherever you're shipping out the the goods uh you got to make it match to the the little conveyor belt and that's where your trucks are going to go so that's the phase two is you're going to lay out some trucks you can lay your trucks on your 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 sending outside um or your opponent's uh, shipping side and then what, what's cool is you can like you can receive your opponents what they've shipped so there's a sort of like cycle thing happening um and uh and the in the easier mode there's there's two color pipes there's red and blue and um and then the advanced is three pipes um but you know i actually find that the more advanced version um is actually lower on the ap scale for me Ooh! All right. Well, let, let's hold off on that for a second. Okay. Let, me, let me break down some of these mechanics here. So, so yeah. basically, what this feels like to me is, and I have no idea the actual uh, design process of this. I'm sure it has been covered on the Geek, um, but it seems like the publisher or someone, a friend or a playtester, somebody said, you know. I love pipeline, but it's really fun just sort of playing with these pipes. Like, what if that was the whole game? And then uh, the designer went, yeah, let me see what I could do with that. But then the designer is the kind of designer who doesn't really want to make the patchwork version. Uh, you know, the, the pat- this is not patchwork to fields, uh, to uh, Feast Frozen. Frozen. Yeah. Right. Which is, you know, a very simplified version of one small mechanic from a very heavy game. This is, you know, one very fun. They they, they could have done that and probably would have made more money. (laughs) But uh, clearly Ryan Courtney, and by clearly, I mean, I'm completely guessing, really enjoys heavier games and wanted to create a heavier experience. This is not a casual game. This is not patchwork. Uh this is not a game that I would play with someone who doesn't play games very much. It's a uh, 20 minute teach, probably 15, 20 minute teach, it's not the longest teach in the world, but this is a game where you are going to fail miserably your first time and probably your second time. And maybe your third time you'll start going, oh, okay, I kind of get what I should be doing here. It's very puzzly. It's very thinky. It is two players only. There's no three player. There's no four player. There's no solo. This is you sitting directly across from a person. And the way the game is designed is you have to be sitting directly across from them because you're literally driving your trucks into their warehouse and they're sending their trucks into yours. Um, And yeah, there's this huge spatial element. Like if you don't enjoy the game of being handed a bunch of random pipe tiles and having to figure out how to connect the same colored (laughs) pipes through your thing, if you don't enjoy that, you won't like this. And I can't say that that's like my favorite thing in the world to do. I did enjoy it in uh, in Pipeline, but I also found that I was bad at it. Um, and this game is all about that. Like, if you're not good at that, you're going to suck. But what's interesting is I actually found this made me want to get better at it. Like, I was like, you know what? I, I, I can improve at that. Like, that thing in my brain that's like, looks at all these pieces and starts like puzzling out this route. Um, and it. It's probably like a pretty great game. I bet, I bet you I'm a better pipeline player now for having played this. Sure, game. yeah. I mean, look, connecting pipes is, for me, I don't know, it's undeniably satisfying. I think for a yeah. lot of people. And That's why I chose this players. game for you. I feel like this. I yeah. feel like that pipe thing is a, is a total jet. Because you love puzzles. You love escape rooms. You love right. efficiency. 
Well, the problem is I think of this as a, sometimes as a riddle where there's that one answer and that's, the, that's where the AP comes in. It's like, no, no, this could be better. Um, yeah. And that's why it's like, it's almost a problem when they're, when, so look, it, it, it's, it's fun to put the pipes together. You just try to get it from here to there with what you have. But I mean, it's, it's really satisfying when you can do that with both the blue and the red, but what's, what's even better. And sort of like the next step of that is trying to aim your pipes so that it's going to land in the slot, the free slot on the truck that you've put out or that you're going to push into this, you know, and trying to do that. Uh, and now trying to do that for your opponents <laughs> that are coming, anticipating it. So there's all these layers of that, which so I think is, me, it's fun. Like the, the version of this game that would have been patchwork is, so there's a part of the game where you're just drawing random pipe tiles from the bag and you can hold as many, you have three, like you have three actions on your turn. It costs an action to draw a tile. It costs an action to place it in your warehouse. Um, and you have three actions. There's a way to get five with spending tokens, but for the most part, you have three actions. Um, and every time you, cre you create what's called an active, uh, an active pipe, that means that you have connected one of your machines. And on your board, you have these machines, just like in Pipeline. And you have to connect the machine, unlike in Pipeline, to a number. So on the left side of your board and the right side of the board, there are numbers that go from one to 10. And an active line means the same colored pipe. And in the uh, basic version of the game, there's only two colors, red and blue. So red all the way stretching from one pipe to any number between one and 10 on either side of your board. That's an active pipe. Every time you create an active pipe, you move forward on the turn order track. Now, one of the ways to win the game is to be the first person or the only, well, the only person to, to create 10 active pipes. Once you have 10 active pipes or 10 active lines, that's one of the end game victory conditions. That totally could have been the whole game. I think it would have sold. I think it would be fun. I would even, wouldn't even maybe mind playing that game, just doing, but mm. then the designer went, now what if I blew up your brain and added in these things called trucks? So now each one of those numbers on the side corresponds to a loading dock for a truck. And then there's a deck of cards. And at the beginning of the game, you get three cards and you draft them. And those each card has a different truck on it. And the trucks range in sizes from two, I think, to six. And that's how many spaces they have in them to hold. Well, always always one is the is the you know the car the the front car, right? Right, which can't hold the anything. Tripper. Right. Right. And a lot of them have blank spaces on them which are, or filled spaces, which can't take things. But then when you play a truck card, which is the second phase of the game, the first game is, is first phase is laying your pipes. That's done simultaneously, which is great for AP. Everybody just lays their pipes, heads down. And then after that, you do the trucking phase and turn order and turn order again is decided by whoever has the most active lines. Then you take turns, usually playing cards. And then when you play a card, it's to add a truck to either your side of the board or your opponent's side, which when you first hear that rule, you go, what? Why would I add a card to my opponent's side? But you will understand soon. You add a you play that card, you pull out the truck and you put it on your board. The back of the truck always has to line up with the one. And then however big it is, is how high it goes. And then at the end of the trucking phase, any empty spaces that attach to your uh, active lines automatically push goods through them and onto the cars. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of victory points to be made for filling your trucks up with things because, and that's also one of the end game conditions on the basic boards. The first one to ship nine goods triggers the end of the game. You have six blue goods, six red goods. Obviously red goods can only go through red pipes. Blue goods. I, I thought it was, I thought it was both the, the both colors 
of the goods. I thought it was all the required amount of goods. Uh, no, I didn't think it was well, just one set. It's different per board, I believe. Um, but the or it's different for if you're playing the basic or the advanced game. But in the basic game, it's if you have to have shipped nine of any uh, just total combined uh, goods, and then right. that trigger, that's one of the end game. That, well, that's one of the the complicated part of this game is there are many end games. And scoring is a little tricky, and there's very different. There's many different ways to score. Which when I first heard, I was like, "Oh, this game's heavy." There's a there's oh, basically wow, two ways to win, right? There's there's the stars of getting right. put, and ten points. pipes, ten connections, right. without mattering about the trucks. It's just getting the machine to the to the conveyor belt, whatever. And then the um um, uh, and then if you receive four of the any single color. color yeah. of of your opponents and then if you if you get a star and he doesn't get a star then you win there's no scoring so then the right. third way is if you tie meaning if, and, both and, have one meaning, star which is probably very rare right or, or no stars or no stars and then you go to scoring which that's a really but that's a really interesting Super thing interesting. right because the three ways that you could win they all kind of like if you go for one strategy you're kind of enabling another strategy for for them. Like 100%. if you are if you are pushing, for instance, like if you're going for um, all, let's just say you wanted to get all 10, 10 connections. Well, and you're like, I'm not even going to go for. I'm not even going to uh, ship. Yeah. You, well, you probably will on accident, which may work in your favor because you do need to ship two of each color as at yeah. a minimum to be eligible to. Which win. is a very interesting rule and. And also one that adds to complication as well. You, you the, in the rules it says you are not eligible to win unless you have shipped at least two of each color. But you don't want to just focus on one color, obviously. Well, other than the fact you can't win. But if you just go, you know, what? I'm just going to keep going blue, 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 because then your opponent could easily win just by collecting four of those blue. Right. So let's um, talk about and- receiving because we mentioned it, but we haven't explained how it works yet. So. When I add a truck card to, to my board, and we'll start with my board before we talk about how we add truck cards to the opponent's board. When you add a truck card to my board, once by adding a truck, it would cause even one space of one of my trucks to extend past the number 10. That truck then travels to my opponent's receiving side of their board. And the back of that truck must line up with the one on their receiving side. And then if they have built any pipes from their machines to their receiving side, of the exact color of the cargo that is in the exact position, now you're starting to see where this becomes a brain melter, they (laughs) automatically receive the goods that are on that thing. And like Jesse said, if you receive four goods of one color, you automatically end the game and most likely win. Yeah. So if your opponent is shipping a lot, you may not want to ship anything. and You may just want to go... Well, I'm going to focus on receiving right now and and force you to stop shipping because uh, I will just win faster than you probably if I do that. But one thing they did interesting about this the strategy of like if you were just to go, all right, I'm going to try because I actually do want to try the strategy I haven't yet of I want to just make ten connections and I know that inevitably I will ship out uh, some things. I will I will ship out the minimum just by making those ten connections, right? Yeah. But in order to do that, especially on certain boards, you only have like six pipes sometimes. Six, you know, the, the machines will only have three outlets and you'll only have a yeah. couple machines or whatever. So that means you need a splitter. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and the splitters are really powerful because <laughs> instead of just really just running one single pipe there, it just going 
<laughs> I mean, you just basically have, well, you have two extra ones. So in some cases, you need to get two splitters. Now, what's the big deal with that? Well, you can't get splitters until you get the third good from your opponent. And if you need two, then you, you've got to, you've got to collect six goods of two different types before there's another way to get, there's another way to get splitters. You can, if you get two construction tokens, you can turn them into one trucking token and then you can turn two trucking tokens into one splitter. That's the other way to get a splitter. Yeah. (laughs) All right. But uh, the, yeah, that, that's difficult. I mean, it's worth four construction tokens. And those construction tokens are tokens that you can receive for doing things like placing your tiles on your board. And they give you two extra actions during the pipe phase, which is very, I mean, you're giving up uh, eight actions there, uh, which is very valuable in order to get one splitter. You'd much rather get the splitter for free as a bonus by, you know, receiving goods. But yeah, those splitters are, I feel like the better you get at this game, the more those become everything. First to splitter is probably like, a really big deal. And those are special tiles that aren't in the bag. You can pull randomly. There's just four splitters on the side of the board, two in each color. Um, and yeah, that's yeah. really interesting decisions, really interesting. Strategy. This seems like a game that if you had a designated partner that you played games with, you could get a lot of mileage out of this one. All right. So me and Alex play a lot of Watergate. Yeah. And so that's why I also thought of this. I was like, same yeah. publisher, Two-player only, very thinky. This is a Jesse game. Yeah, it's like a you know, thirty sixty-minute mid-core game. Like you know, like easy rules but deep strategy. Yeah. Um, How and does this stack up for a couple that loves Watergate? So she says, uh, and I asked her in the car ride back from the beach today. I was like, hey, so what's your what's your official assessment? Um, because we, we played the two-player. And then, uh, sorry, the uh, the two pipes, and then we did the advanced one. We did the three pipes, um, three different colored pipes, which I haven't tried yet, admittedly, and looks like it would make my brain explode. And I'm glad she said this. I, I agree with her. Like the she, okay, she liked the three pli- pipes uh, better, um, and we found that that actually created less AP because, like I said, part of the fun of doing like these two pipes is. Oh man, what if I could make them both connect? And you got these, you know, you got these these tokens that are these tiles that are that are just these the red and blue. And you're like, I, but if I put it here, I could do that. Yeah. And then, but when you have when you have three colored pipes, <laughs> you, you're pretty much look most of the time in the game anyway. You're focusing on one pipe, one colored pipe, and maybe the second one. But with the three possibilities, you're not going to have those as as those opportunities as much. So you're kind of committing to to one pipe and, and you know and then so so you, you don't have as many choices in that sense however when you need to make a change later to you got to make a you got to zig and zag to you know make the pipe go to a different uh, line then you can you can easier you can more easier switch because sometimes those like those pipes those are they're just laying everywhere and so you're like oh i can just make this connection over here and you, so i don't know it, she feels like there's more possibilities in that sense right um, yeah, that, that makes sense to me. I mean, yeah, I mean, because at that point, it's like, well, I'm I'm never going to make all three of these work. So it's like, let's just focus on one. Whereas, yeah, you do get that thing of like, should I place these pipes? No, I'm going to save them for a while. Because if I save enough of them, I think I can figure out how to like, perfectly have them all snake together and do exactly what I want. Right, right. 
And she felt that the game still took like too long. She keeps saying it, both games took two hours. I'm not sure if it was that long. And I was like, well, you know, with the teach and whatnot, maybe and learning games. Yeah. And we're, you know, chatting about stuff. I don't know. Um, but, you know, I thank God that the first phase when you're, you know, building the pipes that 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 is done simultaneously. Oh, yeah. because if you had to sit there and wait, oh, I, no. although I, the thing is, I do think it makes a difference where the other person's going. So well, there is and, a little bit of like says, you know, you you can ask your opponent to play in turn order if you think it's important. Mm. You could also just put a blocker up. That should that could be a thing, and they'd just be like, yeah. "Look, do your own thing, but don't be influenced by them." Mm-hmm. Um, but um, ultimately, um, she she wasn't as into it. She's like, "I don't know if I play it again." Mm-hmm. And 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 I think I think I don't. Maybe you said this go before we played it and now it's sort of like clicking that it like some people may kind of like try it and not really dig it but then people who are give another shot and give another shot realize how deep it is yeah um so I'm, i mean i'm definitely seeing more and more strategies as i play it um so i would yeah. definitely try it again and i think as we talked about it, i kind of got more excited about it so and she was kind of you know jiving on so i think maybe we should get another, another try but honestly she gave it her her rating was a four out of 10. Ooh, okay. Okay. I, um, and, mm-hmm. I also like you found that I liked it more with every game. And I was like, I actually, there is that addictive feeling of like, Oh, I, I could do it better next time. I could do it better. Give me another shot at this. Like I, I, let me, you really, that like, I can do better with my pipes feeling is really yeah. big. And also the ad, like what makes this game replayable to me is that like, there are so many victory conditions. There's, you know, there's, it could be a race game. You could just be like, I'm, I'm racing to 10 actives and, uh, you better, you better, you better race to something else. Cause you're not going to get receiving. Um, so now we're both racing to 10. Like, I feel like when somebody starts doing that, you're kind of locked into that. Um, I, I do like how it is. You have to pay attention to your opponent in this game. So some of these games can just be very solo. Like you're just kind of like both doing the thing at the same time. And every once in a while, like, like for instance, uh, patchwork, your interactions is pretty much, um, are they going to take that, yeah, are they gonna <laughs> that get there shape first? before yeah. me? But this, you really have to go, all right, are they going to put the blue? I think they're going to put the blue there. And so if I can you know, do this and, and then I can get in the fourth spot, I can swoop it up, you know, kind of thing. Um, so that's, that's fun. I like that. Yeah. Well, and then there's also the devilish of adding a truck to somebody else's shipping yeah. side. Yeah. So you, when you play a truck card you can play it to your side or your opponent's side. And it takes a game or two before you really realize why you would add it to your opponent's side. Well, it's for two reasons. Um, It can push, and this is the reason you most likely do it, it will push a truck into your receiving lanes that perfectly lines up with where you have been building your pipe so that you will be guaranteed to receive the goods that are on those. But another thing is that if you're first in turn order, you can add in trucks that kind of screw your opponents and uh, maybe put the goods uh, in blocked spaces or sort of jam up their works a little bit or, you know, just sort of mess with their plans. But mostly it's to make sure that you force the math on the receiving side the way you want to, because your opponent will very easily be able to add cards and see exactly where your goods will be received so that they can make sure that you are not receiving their goods, that that, that's, right. that the things aren't going to line up with the pipes. Because remember, right. a red good has to line up with a red pipe. And a lot of that is luck, unless you're like really mathing this out. 
uh, and 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 two of the same color can't be on the truck next to each other. Oh, right? that's a whole other. Yes, you can't have two red goods next to each other. So you have to start building your pipes like red, blue, red, blue. I mean, this. The more we talk about it, the more I'm like, this is a heavy game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's complicated, and there's a lot of like a lot of edge cases, which for like experienced gamers is fine. Like I, I taught this to Alfred. I taught this to Paul. Neither one of their eyes glazed over. They got it on the first game. But yeah, everybody was like, this is. This is this is a brain burner. Everyone was exhausted at the end of a twenty-minute yeah. game. Now, but also by the you're talking about, um, you know, person who goes first and how they can affect things earlier. But it's it's important to note that after the uh, the the pipe building phase, when you start the trucking phase, everything that's available to be shipped or you know to be, to take a good will take a good. So it's yeah. not like the person who goes first in that f- second phase gets to make moves before you and they do make moves, but you can still, you, 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 you load up the, the trucks and every time a truck card is played for either player, it will push. And then you can, and then they'll load on for either player yeah. every single time. Load or unload. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. I also played with Finn, by the way, I also oh, played wow. with my oldest son. So this game plays, right he is nine and this was like 12 plus. Um, yeah, but he's played um, and loves uh, Lord of the Rings Confrontation. That's one of our go-to two-player games. That's right. like mid-core. Yeah. Um, and um, so, actually, one of the one of the things he didn't like was something I agree with. Was is the is the iconography a little bit? It can be. It's not as intuitive as as, as it could be. I mean, you got pipes, and you got trucks, and. <laughs> I don't know. The, there's a symbol for the pipe cards that I, I keep forgetting means pipe cards. It looks like a, just yeah. a plus plus. So that's yeah. one you thing. Mean, you mean pipe tiles, yeah. Yeah, I don't, yeah. Um, and then there, the, there's a symbol for the truck. You can gain a truck and it's a circle. So it's a truck, truck token. So that, that, right. that's important because there's truck cards and there's truck tokens. And there's right. pipe tiles and then there's, there's pipe tokens. Construction tokens. <laughs> Construction tokens, right, right. Which are which are a cogwheel? I never have a problem with that. Um, but for some reason, that, that when you see a card that has a plus on it, you go, "What is that for again?" Right. Yeah. A card symbol with a plus. Well, you well, go, "Oh, there's only one type of card in the game," and you go, "Oh yeah, of course, it's the trucks." But like, why not put a truck on it? It put it in the card shape. I don't understand that. But uh, little things like that. It's, the graphic design bit. on the scoring columns is confusing too. Oh uh, yes. The numbers run along the top. So at the end of the game, you get like 10 points if you have all your blues. But the numbers are only on the top, which is confusing because you wouldn't realize that you'd also get 10 points for having all your reds out because there's also numbers at the bottom. And the numbers at the bottom don't correspond to the red ones. They correspond to if you have completed a whole column up to there. So you you get it pretty quick. Someone has to explain it to you. But if somebody didn't explain it to you, I don't think it's not intuitive and it's a yeah, little, it's, it's a little bit of a strange graphic design. I right off the top of my brain, I can't exactly think of how they would do it better, but somehow this for some reason isn't, doesn't work like just on its own as graphic design. Yeah. Um, now Finn did say that when there, one of his complaints was when there's a lot of pipes on the grid, it got confusing. And I'm like, mm. yeah, yeah, it did. You know, that's kind of the fun of the game. <laughs> um, but he, you know, he did enjoy making those connections, and he at some point started like bouncing around and singing because he was he was just liking the game. Um, and he he says in particular, and I and I quote, uh, his likes were let's see that you give stuff to yourself and it gives stuff to the other player. Like he liked that dynamic that you're, you know, 
that pushing a truck for yourself is like, now I get to load that, but oh, the implications of what that could do to the receiving end of your opponent. So he liked that dynamic. He ultimately gave it a six to seven. Oh, very um, specific. Yeah, that's what he said. Yeah. And I feel like for me, it's, I would probably give it a, a seven. Yeah. And if I, I'm willing to give it a try and see how deep it gets and maybe I'll give it an eight. Um, and, and, and that's with we, me and Alex both agree about Watergate for us. That's like, it's like a nine, 10, it's like a nine and a half. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, seven, eight for me. Um, yeah, no, that's a, that's a fine score. I, this scratch is an itch that I don't know exists. Like the under one hour, pretty crunchy, heavy two player only game. I'm having a hard time thinking like when I think of like heavy two player games, I think Imperial Struggle, I think War of the Ring. I mean, you know, those are big, you know, Star Wars Rebellion. These are all night games or all day games sometimes. So two player heavy games are usually epic, right? Like how many kind of like crunchy over 3.0 two player games do we have that are like 30 minute to an hour? And I, I'm, I was actually struggling yeah. to think of any. I mean, Watergate, oh, yeah. I would say Watergame is light medium. This is um, you can teach Watergate it, to anybody. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. These are the, I, th- I would say these are all mid-core games. Well, yeah, I guess Watergate is is yeah, this is simpler. Hmm. There's just so many edge cases here. I mean, just imagine explaining the scoring of this game to somebody who doesn't play these types of games. I mean, their eyes would glaze over. It would take the four scoring or five games. is no, the scoring is only. Well, this, right, you're talking the about the mechanics of, to get to the score. Right, the concept of okay, so. You cannot win the game unless you've shipped two of each color. Okay. You automatically win the game if you get a star. There are two ways to get a star. You go all the way up on the active pipes or you receive four. Okay. Now, if nobody gets a star, uh, it goes to scoring. Scoring is your shipping points, your receiving. And then it's like, (laughs) oh, but don't forget, you're not eligible to win unless you've shipped two of each. There's just, there's a lot. There's like, just even understanding how to win is like, I could imagine somebody who, is thinks this is patchwork just like it's like i'm out oh, I'm for, out. Sh- oh for sure for sure yes but i i and think then, this is a the, like core tokens and you can't have more than three tokens of any type there's so many i mean i'm sure there's edge cases i've forgotten there's a lot of edge cases here and the scaffolding tiles everybody gets these scaffolding tiles and when you put a pipe that's not flat with another pipe you can put a scaffolding tile underneath it and you only have five i mean there's there's a lot and i and i respect that i respect that somebody um I don't feel like it's bloat. I feel like it's just heavy. Yeah. How like long were your work? games? Uh, under an hour, probably okay. 45 minutes to an hour. And those were with teaches. Um, but I also was like very much being like, let's not AP this learning games, learning games. Let's not AP, you know, let's just, let's just pull the levers. Um, but yeah, 45 minutes to an hour. And I think we were playing it on the official mod on uh, tabletop simulator. Um, and uh, I think it would be faster in person. It's hard. Like you want to have those tiles in your hand and be like moving them around and playing with them oh, when it's yeah. not your turn um, to do it online is, is a little, it's, well, it's not great. especially since you can, what we didn't, I don't know if we, you mentioned this, but uh, you can lay pipes on top of other pipes to redirect them. But uh, you know, it's not always clean, right? Sometimes right. it'll like be a ramp and fall on the board. So you have these five, um, what are they called? Oh, is that what you're the scaffolding? Yeah, is that what those are called? Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. So that's where you get, yeah. 
Yeah, and so yeah, in, on, on, it's online. <laughs> online, it's almost impossible. Like, is that even? Is it a slant? Is it the like? And you're just like, can a scaffolding fit there? And then then you have to like take apart your whole board. And it's like, if you're doing person, it would just be the easiest thing to see. Right. So, what's your uh, final rating for this? Yeah, to me, it's yeah, it's a seven to eight. But like, that's that's pretty good for a, a genre of game that I don't think I I um. I'm drawn to that often. Like two player only fillers are not exactly like a genre that I like, but this was, I, I will keep this one for, for its unusualness. And it's, there's a certain type of gamer that like, I think would really enjoy this. Um, and I do think it will get better with age. I, th- I think it's uh, a good, I mean, it's 35 bucks, which I think is a totally fair price for this. It's like a nice little, you know, yeah. I see 65 on Amazon. Yeah, well, if you go to Capstone's website and buy it directly from ah. them, it's $35. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, don't do that. Um, yeah, 35 bucks from uh, Capstone Games, uh, depending on shipping where you are. Um, your mileage may vary on uh, online game shops. But that seems like a good price. You get a lot. There's a lot of stuff. It barely fits in the box. I mean, this is not one of those boxes that's got, you know, 80% air and 20% components. Like, I had a hard time fitting all this stuff back in the box afterwards. You get a lot here. Um and if you're looking for a heavy game that, well, I won't say heavy. I would say medium heavy game that plays in under an hour. And if you really loved that pipe part of Pipeline, like this is a, this is a slam dunk for you. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, absolutely. Um, but yeah, that's it. I'm very excited for what Ryan Courtney is cooking up next. I have uh, heard good things from some play testers or friends that have played his games. Uh, his next one apparently is a lot of people are saying it's fantastic. and I'm very excited to try it. Um, but yeah, he's, he's clearly a designer to keep an eye on. Let us move into our member segment, mechanics and game experiences we'd like to see more of. Jesse, how do you want to uh, how do you want to break this down? Well, let's see. I actually, first, I want to read this little thing I was I, I was looking at today. Uh, according to a study published by Report Linker in uh, 2019, the global board game market is expected to reach a value of more than 12 billion by 2023, which is would see a growth rate of nine percent from 2017. Does it say that like 30 percent of that is just me buying this? <laughs> oh man, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, so I there's, I will, <laughs> I will sink this ship. Oh, it's here to stay. And and um, I don't know. I think the pandemic hurt in a lot of ways, but I don't know. I, I feel like it's also maybe helped um, in, in other know. ways. Yeah. I, I think it totally. I think it's it's helped some and hurt some. It's probably hurt more than it's helped for for most designers and and publishers. But um, there are definitely some people who have probably seen seen a bump. But I, I would imagine there. They're not the majority. Um, well, so like we were trying to figure out like what what the feature should be, and um, I I thought maybe we should just talk about the, the mechanics that we like, the aspects of gaming that we like, and we'd like to see more of in the future, or or maybe we haven't seen this yet, but what would we like to see the future of board gaming look like? Um, yeah. And since we were just talking about this, um, I would like to see more mid core two-player games that play in 30 to 60 minutes. What do you minutes, mean by mid-core? Do you mean like mid midweight? I'm When I say mid-core, I mean not casual, which I think patchwork is casual, and it's not hardcore. Um, you know, this is a, it's a video gaming term. Oh, I see. oh I see. Mid-core, like hardcore, right? Okay. Like we, I think I think we're, we're more used to like middleweight or medium weight, lightweight. Sure. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, but 
like I think that these are important, <laughs> well, especially during a pandemic, a two, these two-player games. But I also think that like these, I want to see more of these games. I want to see more of them that are like elegantly designed but have deep strategy, like you know, like this uh, Curious Cargo, like Watergate. I will, I want to see more, you know, Lord of the Rings confrontation. I was like, why don't we have more games like this? Um, I think that they're important. Um, I because I think they're good for for the couples like me and Alex and some of my other friends who are like trying, you know, other couples and they're trying to find cool games to play and they keep asking me for more recommendations and and I keep wanting to give them more and I just don't have any like for for this kind of thing and I can go, you know, I guess there's um oh oh what is it the seven seven wonders duel i guess and there's code names duel duet or whatever i don't know yeah, and it's yeah. fine it's fine but i really want i want more of this kind of stuff and it helps people bridge like i'm thinking about a couple like a friend's mine in general who uh in particular who are who are getting more into games and this is helping them see other like this type of stuff and and they're getting into more hard king games. i feel like this is one of those bridge games like other than Catan, kind of thing these yeah. types of games yeah so i think they're important yeah um absolutely i agree and I, I those are those are those are the make or break games in our hobby and wingspan is obviously like you know the biggest of that of the last few years that i think has brought in a whole new uh a whole new world of gamers to our hobby and that's only good um, i'm going to start a little bigger and then get a little more specific this my first one's gonna be a little more general as just like when I when I first think of like game experiences, I want more of, um, and it came about perfectly this week because there was a fantastic video from uh, our friends at No Pun Included called "Colonialism: The Board Game Struggle," uh, and Efka of No Pun Included put out a fantastic video, um, not about uh, a game called Colonialism, uh, but about the subject of colonialism in games, um, and. Uh, beyond just the etymology of it and uh, how we got here and what it means uh, to our hobby and how uh, prevalent it is in our hobby. It, he, he made it very personal talking about um, his past uh, as an immigrant and uh, the country that he came from originally uh, and the history there and how it uh, and its relationship to colonialism and just sort of looking at how this this theme and this mechanic, this the mechanic of aggression and conquering, uh, uh, and how we can be more aware of what that means about us as gamers, what that means to people from different backgrounds as us, and um, being more conscious of the types of settings that we are playing games in. Um, this isn't saying that any game that has conquering means bad, but I think any game that has conquering in it that isn't aware of its roots in colonialism and isn't in some way facing them or acknowledging them uh, might be lacking going forward in the future and might need, uh, might might be behind the times a bit and what we and want from our board how, game content. How do you acknowledge that? Because I feel like that was something that came up with... Um... And um, Anandakupta with uh, Imperial Struggle, and I, I look. I, I I'm really torn on this subject because I'm obviously sensitive to. I think it's valid. Had somebody is looking out, it, it seems like we're uh, we're playing a game about with with like the history of his life when he was. You know, it's it's horrible. But I'm thinking, okay, so what? So what? So what do we actually do here? 
about that. And, well, and, I, can, and I can say about being, being sensitive about when you're designing a game, how you present that. But like if we actually just – you could say, oh, well, um, oh, what's that uh, the yellow uh, – the, the, the Nietzsche game, uh, Yellow Xanxi. Um, like, I mean, well, that's maybe that's not the best example. I'm, uh, there's a lot of them are just about like conquering something and different races, and 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 it's uh, you could probably yeah, eliminate it, so many things. I mean, four uh, X's are all you know basically games about colonialism in space. Um, you know, just by uh, making it sci-fi doesn't necessarily change. Um, you know, it, it's more about talking about it and, and opening a conversation. Why do we enjoy these experiences? What is this? What what in our humanity is this exciting? What part of us? Um, yeah. Everything from historical uh, liner notes that that really show you the entire thing, not just the history being told by the winners, uh, how it affected everybody, uh, but also just in the actual design of it, not always putting yourself in the seat of the colonials. Uh, in the people of the colonizers, I mean, um, not always being the aggressors, showing the, the the ramifications of that, gamifying that as well in, in a respectful and uh, educational way. Uh, you know, Efka said it a lot better than I'm trying to, but I, I really recommend that you watch the video. It doesn't deal with any specific games, although it deals with a lot of games that we all play. Um, and I, it's just, it, it's a great way to start a conversation, somebody to think yeah. about. So I, you know, one thing he talks about is being excited for, uh, post-colonial games and games that take place outside of uh, the sphere of colonialism. Um, and just as somebody is, who loves games, I'm always excited about new and exciting themes and point of views. And especially I'm excited for games like that that are coming from POC perspectives and non-Western history-based perspectives and not straight cis white perspectives. And um, nobody loses by that. Nobody is losing anything by only adding new voices and perspectives in. And so yeah. when I think about uh, the future of our hobby, that that is the first thing I think of. Like, I'm so excited to see what uh, non-cis white males have to add. And that doesn't mean I don't want more games from non-cis white males. It just means I want more voices. Yeah, yeah, yeah agreed. And I, I, think of, uh, I think of Wingspan when I think of like... Um, it was a, I feel like it's a good example of successful game that was, you know, a, a new thing. We hadn't thought of doing that as a as a, as a theme, and I like that. So more more things like that. How about that? Yeah, <laughs> not more bad games, but and beyond that, um, more people of color at my gaming table, more more women at my gaming table, and by my gaming table, I mean my conventions and. Even even saying my feels weird. Our, you know, I just more inclusiveness in general at all of our gaming things. And that's on me. That's not on people of color to solve. That's not on women to solve. That is on me to be welcoming and to make sure that those people feel safe and uh, accepted and that I go out of my way to make those people want to play games with me and to feel, you know, happy playing games at those locations and, and at my, you know, even at my game nights. Yeah. So are there any, are there any game mechanics that you like that you would like to see in the future? embraced more or is there a mechanic yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah so i started big and like i said i'm gonna get oh, right. you have a whole you have a, go I have a oh, whole yeah. list i was gonna throw it back to you now um we can well, this yeah we could okay um i i was thinking about this started with you know the the proposition are there any mechanics you like in particular that you'd like to see in the future and i like the first thing that comes to mind is um 
I, I keep talking about Watergate, um, but like I like the double function cards, the the the, the value and event. Um, I hate like a wasted card and. Yeah. And it's just kind of like Carl Chuddock's the king of that, right? I mean, uh, race for the galaxy. I mean, not race for the galaxy. Uh, Glory to Rome and Red Seven. Yeah, uh, so many uh, innovation. It's all about where the cards are doing a dozen things. Yeah, Twilight Struggle, of course, and Imperial Struggle, and um, uh, but I don't know. I I, I like that. Um, I like um, um, I like micro turns. I'm liking that, like that idea. I, I want to keep the players engaged. I hate long, long turns. <laughs> like if yeah. it's not your turn. I, it, I, I lo- I'm going to have to call you out a little bit here, Jesse, because you, you are the king of long turns. And I don't say that in a negative sense. You are the analytical gamer, my friend. But you, uh, you are a victim of AP. Yeah, yeah but, but I am. And, and, and I've, uh, I've tried to just, in general, just not overthink things. But but it's, it's, by the way, this especially happens. You guys are playing games multiple times, and then I'll be introduced to it. So but I'm it's learning for the first nature. time. Like you you that's the part you enjoy is like really doing it right. Like if you're like I'm going to do it at all, I want to do it right, and like I respect that. It's not. It's just you know. It, it, but yeah, you're right. But 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 what I'm saying is those micro turns help. It keeps the game moving faster. It's like it's not like I want to make you know, significant moves. Like I want to do something, you know, meaningful, but I would like to be able to think about another's terms, another people's turns. And then when it gets to me, I don't have, look, how about a narrow scope of like uh, a a lower action space? You can't just do everything in the world. (laughs) Like, but you know, um, I think you'd like Praga Capnet Reckney, which you haven't played yet. I don't think, but I think you'd really enjoy that as somebody who likes micro turns. Okay. Um, but you know that sort of like unbroken player engagement, right. like it just keep yeah. pe- people attention. That is not boring. It's like, look, I don't even care sometimes. Like when people's turns take long, if I'm engaged and I got things I I can be thinking about. Yeah. And that have you, have you played Haunted Teutonica yet, Jesse? Mm, I'm gonna look. It I up. gotta teach it to you. You would freaking love Haunted Teutonica. It's like the ultimate micro turn game, and it's I gotta teach it to you. You would you you're gonna flip out for Haunted Teutonica. Oh, I'm. Yes, yes, classic. Yes. It's a classic, but they they there's a big box that came out recently. Um, you would flip out for this game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. I do like that game. Um, um, here's a couple other things. M- multiple, multiple dynamic ways to win. Like, yes. Uh, Curious card. It, yeah, it's funny because you said, "Hey, if he did, made a game that just ended with just going for the pipes, that would be a great game, right?" And and I get uh, your point. A great game, but it would be a game. <laughs> It would be a game, yes, yes. But I do, I do like the idea that you can, in different dynamics, and you know, find different ways to win. And um, and 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 on top of that, that the the victory conditions, if they could be more in theme, and they're not just like victory Ooh, points. Can we get rid of victory points? I understand well, there was a, a whole there was a whole video about that that we talked about last year about like somebody who said, you know, basically if your game has victory points it's a failure. But yeah, I wouldn't go that far. But yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, well back to you. Back to me. <laughs> All right, this is a, this is a fun one. I'm excited about this. I want more games that make me feel emotions. There's a handful of games that we've talked about recently, and, and only one of these we've we've reviewed. I'd like to review the others, but there, we've reviewed The Cost this year, which is all about the asbestos industry. Mm. Uh, there's a game called Meltwater that is a fantastic game from Holland Spiel. 
that is all about um, the horrors of conquering people. Uh, there's a game called This Guilty Land, also from Holland Spiel, about the politics of slavery in America. Um, and these are games, but they are also experiences, and they are also designed to educate and also to 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 make you feel something, to actually make you feel an emotion uh, beyond winning or losing or brain burnery or frustration, but make you feel, make you to take you places to, to you know, to really make these experiences things that, uh, that extend outside of just what's happening in front of the board, but exist in an emotional space that maybe uh, stays with you once the game is over. I would really yeah. like to see a lot more of that. I don't even know what that really means, but I know what I, I know it's something I'm thirsting for. Uh, Kingdom Kingdom Death Monster uh, was I feel was emotional for me. <laughs> yeah, it can be. I mean, it's you know, it's there's also a lot of like really messed up weird stuff in there, but like it it does it does make you feel some crazy stuff about you know communities and uh, life and death and yeah, there's there's a lot of weird stuff there too. Yeah, I mean, probably my my like my number one thing is is immersion. Is yeah. uh, is is finding ways to make, and and I talked about this before, but particularly making the actions that you do within the game are further making you feel like you're in the theme of the game, um, which is hard to do. It's hard to find, you know, good examples of that. Um, but when it's done and you really feel like you know you're the mafia boss because you got to you know eliminate somebody, I don't know whatever it is, um, it's so gratifying. I don't know, it's great. Yeah, many more of that. Um, back to you. I just did one. You just did one. Back to I don't me. Know if I... <laughs> I want Euro tournament support. Hear me out. I love the experience of competitive face-to-face tournament gaming. I loved it with Netrunner. I loved it with Game of Thrones. It seems to only exist in these collectible or living card games. I want it in my euros. Now you say there are too many euros. How are we going to decide which ones we're all going to choose? Well, it, a little bit of the work's done for you. There's games like Agricola that are played at, at the tournament level. I want more of those. I feel like every year one great game should be chosen and like added to the board game Olympics. Like there should be like, you know, Agricola should be a, a, a category in the board game Olympics and like, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's your, your sport. You're, you know, you're an Olympic Agricola player or like, whoa, did you hear they added barrage to the board game Olympics this year? Like, wow, totally deserved it. That's so cool. And like, I would just love like to pick a game, get super into it. And and if I wanted to, to take it to the next level where it's like, if I show up at a con, there's going to be a high level tournament for it. And I know at Gen Con and a lot of them, there are for a lot of these games, but if it was more of like, I don't know, I guess if it was more sporty, if it was more like esports, esports. Yeah. Like if you yeah. esported our Euros a little bit more, I would, it's just it, the idea of like this weekly game night that I go to where we play this game every once in a while, but there's one game that I'm like training at. Like I, <laughs> I dig that vibe. Like I like, yeah. no, like I'm doing reps. Like anybody want to come over? Like we're going to do a three day marathon on this. Got to try some new strategies. Got to prep for the next tournament. Like, that stuff's fun. Like I just yeah. think that, that's this a part of my like, life. I don't get to enjoy that competitive 
taking it super seriously thing. And I definitely don't have time for it, but like one day I might again. And <laughs> that would just be so fun. I just love that. Yeah. This is like a uh, lumen every day for a great I know. I know. hundred <laughs> percent. It would just be fun if there was like, you know, we had a whole stable of games that were like that, that were just totally. like the agreed upon competitive games, but that's probably mm-hmm. the nightmare problem is that we all agree on different games, but yeah. Never know. Um, I, um, I, um, I'd like to see, especially for for heavy um, campaign games um, like Gloomhaven. I and and I like that Gloomhaven did this for Josh Lion. The the tutorialized, like the this first mm-hmm. few scenes scenarios teach you the game. So yeah, the uh, here's a rule book, but play the game. Imperial Struggle did that too. Like you know, let's it, let's teach you by playing it. Um, it was actually a little harder with Imperial Struggle. I'm not sure that they were as ex- successful with teaching mm-hmm. how the game played, uh, yeah. but there's a lot going on and like, they didn't want to teach you everything. And so I was like, I don't understand the context. I don't know where to file this in my head, mm-hmm. but, um, but with Gloomhaven, it worked because I, and I say Gloomhaven, but I, and I don't mean Gloomhaven, the original, um, because that was a bit of a mess. Uh, it was hard. It, it was hard to understand, but usually the good thing about it was only one person really needed to know the rules the other people just need to know the dynamics of how to play. But Jaws of the Lion responded to people's complaints about all that, and then they made this tutorialized version. Um, which which brings me to, I, I would like to see um, more. I feel like every designer should, um, or uh, publisher, put out their, um, hey, you can scan this QR code, and you can see the rules. You know, Here's how to play in like 15 minutes. Uh, just yeah. just more of that. Which, which Gloomhaven did, except it was mm-hmm. two videos that were like, an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the problem is that a lot of these games can't really be taught in 15 minutes. But, you know, you get people like Rodney Smith, Watch It Played, who do some pretty great, I think, as fast as you could do, you know, rules teaches a lot of these games. But it's hard to get everyone at your game group to, you know, put aside an hour of their day and watch a video before they show up. Yeah. That's definitely one of our issues. I know there's people who's tried to solve that with apps and with, you know, with like, I forget the name of it, but there's a specified app that, you know, is supposed to, you can pull it up on your phone at any time and it'll teach everyone in your group hits play at the same time. And it'll teach you how to play. And I don't know, but you yeah. know, it's definitely a problem that needs to be solved and I'm sure someone will crack it at some point. And uh, Matt, I actually wrote something down here. I was like, let me guess what Matt would put down. Oh. And I put more solo games. <laughs> well, that's funny that you said that. Um, I, <laughs> one of the things I did literally write down uh, in here, in fact, I think I, did I erase it back a second ago? Um, and yes, you did send me the document right, before right. this started, but I, no, I did, did, I was sitting at the beach and I go more solo games. And then I open up your doc and I was like, let me see if he wrote down what he wanted to talk about. He did put more solo games uh, number um, one, <laughs> that may right. be not the most important, but it was the first thing he thought of. Yeah, and not the order uh, I read them in. But uh, yeah, so, but not just more solo games, more solo only campaign games. Now, I really enjoyed Under Falling Skies, which came out this year, which is a solo only campaign game. The things that made it work for me were small table presence, easy to set up, plays fast, and has a good narrative arc. This is the first game that I kind of saw did that. And like, I'm not going to say it's my game of the year. Like it, it, it at its essence was uh, space invaders, the, the, the Euro puzzle dice roller. Um, but, but it, it, it showed me 
that there is a a market for it because I think it's been wildly successful, but also like that that is a, a that's a total like what's like I I threw it in my backpack a couple times and brought it home and like after the kids went down I just like set it up on my t- dining room table I would never do that with like you know Gaia Project or something like <laughs> I wouldn't just bring this giant box home and set it up on my kitchen table and it would take thirty minutes just to set it up like you know you're you could open the box and be playing in about five ten minutes and games only take thirty minutes or so and so that that's a scratch to itch but it's not just a puzzle there's a campaign and I can beat it and I can have a story that's ongoing like and that really that kind of immersion and that oh, I can't wait to see what happens in the next campaign is really important to solo games because otherwise you're just sort of trying to beat your own score. And that's only interesting for, you know, a handful of games. So now do you, do you want more solo games just out of necessity because life is tough or is it just because, for instance, you hate me? It's because um, I have a specific thing where I like to take little, I I write all day. And so the way that I cool my brain down is to play a game. And often I don't want to play a video game because I've just stared at a screen for three hours straight. Um, And that's one of the reasons I got into board games. And so solo games are really good for that for me because um, I can't have somebody in my office with me or else I won't get any work done. Um, But but I'm very specific and maybe, you know, Probably not many people have that specific thing where they like to take turns in a solo game in between writing movies. <laughs> wow. Well, if you had like uh, your bestie living next door to you and you, and you could. It'd be a nightmare. It'd be, it'd be, I would get nothing done. I would be dead. Well, <laughs> I would be destitute, <laughs> single, and homeless. But well, let's assume that you were just just for theory's sake. Uh, let's assume that you had a, you know, you could keep your, your, your stuff together. Um, and, but if you had a choice of yeah. playing a game with somebody or by yourself and everything else being even, what would you choose? Be like 60, 40, probably 60, 40, 60 for solo. No 60 with somebody else for it. Maybe 70, 30. It, like it, I re- I really enjoy exploring a game by myself because I don't feel rushed to learn it. I can take my time. I can really learn it. It's sort of how I learn games. Um, even if it doesn't have a solo mode, I'll often play two handed. Like if I get a new Euro just to, cause on a, I'm excited to play it, but B it's like the best way for me to learn. So I, I really enjoy sort of like laying it all out and that whole ritual of it. But yeah, like I don't, you know, mo- the vast majority of games in my collection, I would much rather play with somebody else than by myself. Hey, look, you can, you can play video games by yourself. You can play with other people online. You can, um, or in the same room with you and board games, you, you can play some of them by yourself and you can play them with groups. But I feel like, Video games lean towards the single experience. Oh, for and, me, they're only board, player at this point. Yeah, and board games are a community event. I understand about like sometimes you don't have a choice, but yeah. I all these things you're talking about, especially when it's like it has a cool story and and like something really really impactful happens, but you can't share it with anybody. I don't know. Yeah, but like, then but you also have to wait for like two weeks to get everyone back to the table, and maybe you know. Jill doesn't show up and Scott. Oh, Jill's the worst. And yeah, you know, like, it's just like, great. Well, you know, it's so hard to coordinate. That's the hardest thing. It's just like, you know, and and also like, I don't want to play the same game every week. And when it's, when I'm just playing by myself, I can play it when I feel like playing it, which to me is often a, a big thing. Um, here's one for me. Wait, did I ping it back to you? Did we just do solo? Is it again? Uh, no, go for it. I, I, I might, I might be out. 
I want team-based Euros, team-based heavy Euros. I feel, okay, there's Cerebria, which I own and haven't played yet, Cerebria, um, which is a team-based game, two versus two. Um, it's supposed to be great. Uh, Concordia Venus, I we tried the team player thing once. I don't think I'd ever care if I didn't play it again. But I just, I love the, t- I love it, the team aspect. Like Codenames is so fun as a team thing. If somebody could make, give me the fun of that team experience or even the team experience of Tichu, but in a two to three hour heavy Euro, I would love that. I think that'd be really fun. Like if I could like, again, that's my thing. Like it'd be really fun to have like, oh, like Jesse and I, like we, you do not want to come at us in this game. Like we are a great team at this game. Like, but it's really, you know, we're really working together. Like somehow we, we have strategies we've talked about beforehand. Like that to me sounds fun. I would love a, a solid team-based heavy Euro. Yeah, sure, sure. That's good. What, what, what was that, what was that um, game we played? Arms something, uh, it was five players, I think. We're different about? countries. We're we're breaking uh, shipping lines and and you know it's like a World War Two. Oh, uh, yeah, uh, General, it's yeah. not armchair general. Oh, geez, I'll look it up. Hold on, it'll, it'll vamp for a second while I look it up. Yeah, General something, um, quartermaster general. Yeah, quartermaster ah, general. I don't know where I got arms. Uh, yeah. So is that hardcore enough for you? Yeah, it's not really team. I mean, yeah, we no, you're right. It There's, is teams. Are teams. You're right. Access versus allies. You're right. That's still, no, that's that is pretty good. That's a good. That's a good version of it. You're right. You're right. I was just. I guess I was thinking like two versus two, but yeah, that that's a good one. Three versus three. You're right. I forgot about Quartermaster General. Yeah. Quartermaster General, and I haven't played the new version of it, which is apparently a better balanced version. Um. All right, I got two more fast ones. Uh, see, I told you I did some work here. Uh, story-based Euros with narrative arcs that don't require campaigns. Now, there's only one game I can think of that's doing this, but I'm so excited for it that um, I want other games to do it as well because I think they're going to nail it. But uh, Perseverance Castaway Chronicles, which is the new game uh, from Mind Clash Games, who makes kind of all my favorite games, like Anachrony and Tricarian and Cerebria we just talked about. This is a Euro game with a two-part campaign that is broken into two completely different games. The first part of the game is you are a group of people who have come to an island overrun with dinosaurs and you have to take back the island. Um, And then you put that back in the box and you pull out box number two, which is a completely different game with similar mechanics, still more different than Brass Birmingham, Brass Lancashire, but in that ilk of like, if you kind of get the mechanics of one, you'll get the mechanics of another, but it's a totally new game. And now this one is you've conquered the Island and now you have to create a civilization. Uh, and there, and things that happen in the first one, uh, change what happens in the second. And every game is going to be different. And every game is going to feel like the sort of two part campaign. That's going to have this cool narrative arc. It's going to be a different story every time, but it at its core is a heavy Euro. I think that's exciting. It, it's not going to take 20, you know, sessions to get through a story. It's two. Um, maybe you do them all in one night. I think it's supposed to be about two hours each. So you potentially could, but I really like that idea of a narrative, heavy, heavy Euro. That's got a slight campaign to it. Wherein, you know, the ending of one game will affect the beginning of the next. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Like, uh, like jaws. Yeah. <laughs> maybe exactly. not as not the heavy. No, 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 you're right. Jaws is a good example of like a very light, you know, family friendly target version of of that. But yeah, you're right. That is that is fun. 
Um, and my last one is sort of like my ongoing, like, will anyone ever crack this kind of thing? And I don't know if anybody ever will, but we all know I love my two-player LCGs. And it would be just awesome if somebody just once cracked the two-player LCG in a box. Never need to buy another card. Never need to buy another pack. Somehow there is enough meta in one box to keep a whole game going for years. It's probably impossible. Well, it is impossible because that's not living. Well, it wouldn't be. It's just it's just such a great card game with enough like, you know, like if Game of Thrones, an entire season of Game of Thrones LCGs was in one box somehow. And they told you, I just like the idea that no cards will ever come out again. And it's about the creativity of deck building within one set of cards. Now, of course, I could do that with any LCG and just pretend the other cards don't exist. (laughs) But I like the idea of a game not designed around continually innovating but a game that is finished never to be added to this is the whole set of cards go crazy i don't know there's a game on kickstarter right now uh i think oh the campaign just ended it's called radlands it's kind of that attempt to do a two-player in a box game i know it's a thing lots of people have struggled to figure out um you know magic the gathering in a box is like a cliche but um yeah, I don't know. Whoever cracks it, you've got my money, and probably a lot of people's too. Hmm. Interesting. I think that's it. Those are uh, those are sort of things that I got excited about in the few hours I had to think about uh, this topic. Hey, wait. Actually, did you, you said Slay the Spire? Was that two player? Uh, when did I say Slay the Spire? Slay the Spire, the Kickstarter campaign. Didn't you say that was that was going um, on? That is, I think it's a co-op. Um, yes, that is happening. I don't think it's, they haven't announced it yet. Um, it is as yet to be decided when it is coming. It is a cooperative deck building adventure for up to four players. And you want it to be competitive. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. You know me and those co-ops. Not my jam. Um, shall we get into uh, some sommeliers? Sure. Now, I'm going to play the song, but again, I'm pretty sure nobody's hearing these. So instead, I'm going to sing it, Jesse. Yeah, do it. Sometimes a player just got to know which game to stay, which to go, which one to play with my mom, my mom, my boo. Got to tell you, monsieur, just what to do. With my 50th play of Agricola. The game, show me the way. The game, somebody <laughs> oh man this is so wow. much better than somehow it. somehow that might have been better <laughs> but i love the original uh, wow sorry. that was good i'm glad you did that um this is uh from listener ties hey game brainers as a dutch guy i apparently love maps of europe and wooden pieces some of my favorite games are hansa teutonica el grande and concordia are there some hidden gems in the genre? Sad person on the front of the box, map inside of it, of similar weight and length. Thanks for what you bring every Monday. Makes my commute more fun. And then he wrote something in Dutch uh, that I cannot pronounce. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Ties. Um, some hidden gem euros, okay? I wouldn't, I'm not going to list the obvious ones, but if you don't own, you know, of the games you listed, I would say you should definitely have Brass and Virage added to that list. Uh, but some more hidden gem euros. I'm going to say Brussels 1893. I'm going to say the sequel to Kalis that came out uh, last year. I feel like it hasn't gotten the love it deserves. Kalis 1303 is fantastic. Francis Drake is a fantastic map-based 
Hidden Gem Euro, Manhattan Project, Energy Empire, Railroad Revolution. I think there's some sad faces and a map there too. And Santiago are all some mm-hmm. Hidden Gem Euros. Anything come to mind for you, Jesse? Hidden Gem Euros? Hidden Gem Euros? Uh, things that aren't obvious. I was actually thinking about this. Is is Great Western Trail considered a Euro if it's if it doesn't take place? In- yes. Euro is, is a, uh, just means... It's a style, uh, yeah. Yeah, low luck and uh, yeah, less aggressive conflict. Um, uh, yeah, that's about it. Those are some hidden gems. But I mean, look, you got Hansa Teutonica, El Grande, and Concordia. You're doing great. Um, you could just probably put Tigers and Euphrates. Wait, no, Tigers, yeah, I, I was thinking that too. But that's pretty famous, you know. He said, you know, uh, El Grande is, I thought was pretty famous. I don't know. No, well, yeah, he's saying, are there some hidden gems in the genre? He's saying, these are, I, here's the, I have got all the obvious ones. What are the ones I'm missing here? And so I, I even oh. gave him a couple obvious ones that maybe he's missing. I see like what you're saying. Barrage or. Uh, yeah. Um, let's see. I had some over here. Uh, I guess you can. Uh, go ahead. You can move on. <laughs> uh, this is from Brandon. Based on your last episode, the following games piqued my interest. I don't know when this is written, so I don't know what last episode you're in reference to. But uh, I think this was a while ago. Oh, maybe it was probably our best of of the year. Uh, the Cost, Anno 1800, and Imperial Struggle. I'm trying to decide which one to get. I consider Splatter the best publisher in the business with games like Bust, Food Chain Magwit, and Antiquity as some of my favorite games ever made, while Pax Premier 2E is my absolute favorite game. With the cost being over $100 shipped, Anno 1800 not even being available, and having bounced hard off of Twilight Struggle, I have no idea what choice to make. Help! I'm sure he objects to your... To your <laughs> I was trying <laughs> to spice it up a little bit. Man, I'm tired. I'm doing my best. <laughs> <laughs> what what do you think, Jesse? What would you recommend for our friend Brandon? Oh, uh, man. Twilight Struggle. Got it. I mean, Imperial Struggle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Imperial Struggle. Well, look, I'm just going to go off. off. Brandon He's says said that. That, that he loves Splatter, thinks it's the best publisher in the business. Um, of those three games, I think the cost is going to give you your closest feel to a Splatter game. Um, I don't I think Anno- those. Wait, have I played the cost? Is that the one where you uh, have the different generations? No, that's the no. asbestos people, and you're there's murder in it, and it's sad. Um, I, I haven't, haven't played, played Anno eighteen hundred. Oh wow, you would love Anno. Um, uh, the most splattery of all those is going to be the cost, and that's I'm speaking as someone who's read the rule book only and not played it. Um, Imperial Struggle is a straight up two player game, but I mean, if you like the history of Pax Pamir, you might like the, uh, the historical setting of Imperial Struggle as well. Anno eighteen hundred doesn't necessarily sound like any of the games you've listed that you really love. Um, you also said you bounced hard off of Twilight Struggle, which makes me think Imperial Struggle might not solve it. It might though. Um, it's a very different game, but he bounced um, hard. He 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 visited it and then he hated it. Is that what that yeah, means? sounds like bounced hard. Just bounced did hard. not did not click with it. Um, so I don't know if how uh, many times Imperial, did he play it? I don't. Jesse, what do you want from Brandon? I mean, I'm not going to call Brandon up Brandon. right now. Ten o'clock at night. I don't even know where he is in the world. Like, wake him up. I have you know, to know because Leave him alone. You can't solve Twilight Struggle. Look, some of these games, people need to realize with some of these games, which I I love that they have less rules. And I was actually thinking about this. I almost added this to my list of having games that have less rules that are explained with the cards that come out. Mm-hmm. Like that's where you're mm-hmm. going to get the strategy from. Uh, 
And I'm not people sure. Bounce off that though, they, because people that, bounce hard. To, <laughs> yeah, they bounce hard off those Jesse because that means that you really are playing a lot of games in the dark, a lot of repetitious games in the dark, where like it feels like it's chaotic because you you have to memorize all the cards before you know what you're doing. In fact, that's my biggest problem with Twilight Struggle. So Brandon and I tell you to back off, buddy. Right? <laughs> I like I like I I don't feel like I have to know everything. And I, I'll be like, oh, cool. I can start to I see how the strategy yeah. can go. Some, blah, blah, blah. some people want. Like, I'm in deep the, now. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. There's some new, uh, new strategies I'm learning. It's like, wow. And it's the same thing with Imperial Struggle. Uh, it's a, it, it's deep, man. It, it you, is. You gotta, some some people don't enjoy that experience because it, you know, it's a lot of reps in order to, you know, really start seeing some payoff there. Um. Anyway, Brandon. Long story short, I'm sorry that Jesse was what I can avoid. Only Imperial Struggle then wildly bullying towards you but um <laughs> uh, <laughs> i'm kidding Brandon, uh, we'll I, look the cost is 100 bucks you're right it's it's crazy expensive um i would read the rule book of the cost and see if that excites you but as somebody who likes um you know quote-unquote weirder games like splatter um and heavier euros i you know i think you're describing the cost um jesse we did it um, oh my I, God! I, I hope I don't have some kind of technical nightmare waiting for me as soon as I hit stop recording here. Um, I think we're going to have some dead air on the opening intro. I don't know why anyone needs to hear about this, though. But, hey, no, this is, but they need to realize what, what, why there might have been blank space. Because I was just hearing blank space. I didn't know where you started. Almost possible. The, <laughs> but I think we rolled with it. Yeah. And that's what gaming is all about. Maybe that tied up. Because of dice? I, I don't know. I don't know. Jeez. Will you? Well, I do the sign off. Will you sing Alfred's song? <laughs> uh, I could try. Will you do your best version of? Don't feed my brain. I got all right, it. All right. All right. We ready? I'll try. All right. And go. You've been listening <laughs> to Game Brain, <laughs> produced and edited by Matthew Robinson and Tom Donnelly. That's <laughs> for our incredible music. You might know him as Alfred on the show. Game <laughs> Gameframe <laughs> Game <laughs> Game underscore pod. This is fantastic. We're listening. Thanks for listening. Game. And go play some games with friends online or virtually make some friends with games. This is nice sound. Yeah. I was trying to get that part of Thanks, everybody. Thanks, wow. Jesse. Wow. Bye. Bye.